and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is Peter Bond. I've read every book in the main series, and with me today is my friend and closest confidant, India Jones. Hello! Um, and our producer, AJ Faleri, is with us. The levels, the bars, he's in the room. Okay. Josh! <laughs> <laughs> my boy, Joshua Dean Baker's here, the prodigal son. Thank you. Uh, that's all I've got. That's my time, right? I can go. <laughs> yeah, that's so, it. You're good. See ya. Okay, cool. I'm gonna. Today on the podcast, we're trying something a little different. We're going to discuss a little bit of literary theory and then talk about Carsa Orlong. Beyond that and we're going to get more into the structure of the show, but we should probably disclaim that I don't think any of us are particularly well versed in literary theory. No. Um, <laughs> Speak for yourself. So. <laughs> That's all just to say we're kind of swimming in the deep end, so to speak, you know? Yeah, we are way in, uh, out of our depth, but but we do have feelings. In 1967, French literary theorist Roland Barthes wrote this influential essay called The Death of the Author, and... Can you say it in French for me? Oh, sure. Uh, Le mort de l'auteur. Great, thank you. <laughs> it was translated in English the next year and gained a lot of following and started... Uh, it contributed to a new criticism movement, and this is what I'm garnering after my brief exploration into this essay. And today, we read the essay in and of itself, and to give a brief overview, Bart is mostly contending in the essay with how we should consider an author in relationship to the work in literary discussions, to whether to focus on them, what to, mean, what to make of authorial intent, and where to place the author and their influences in this discussion. So, India, this was a big stab at literary theory for us. What did you make of this essay? Um, it made me question my grasp on the English language. <laughs> and Okay, okay. Um, are you asking like if I agree or disagree? What do you ask? Yeah, me? sure. T t take it away, girl. Okay. Um, I've never given much thought to this particular topic. Um, okay. So to read it, I then had to really think about all the things that I've read and if I believe this or not. From my understanding, we're pretty much saying you can't understand. You can't really know if there was intention or not, but to, like in a like to, for you to understand what somebody's writing. Or if it's just up for your own interpretation. Is that what we're getting at here? Is that how I'm understanding this thing? Yeah, it's kind of the idea that no matter what the author intended, there's no way for us as the reader to really know that. Yeah. So it doesn't here. really matter. I wrote a summary directly after reading it in three sentences. Can I share it? Please. Okay. Sure. Uh, what the author intends. I, I guess there's. I guess there's no order in this discussion. Yeah, I'm hopping in here. This episode is already hell. I think we've recorded yeah. for twelve minutes. And I think we've made about two minutes of podcast. Great. So <laughs> here's here's how I here's how I thinned it down. I, I also have a paragraph before this where I just shit on it. I could read that whenever you want. The uh, diary whatever, whatever entry is, of your feelings. What the author intends when writing does not matter. Language does not impart meaning, its interpretation does. Thus, the reader is who takes the written word and from it creates, not consumes. I mean... Sure, yeah. I, I agree with that. I got it done in two sentences. He took three pages. That's now, straight I think, he was making a, I think he was making a larger argument than that, Disagree. <laughs> and yeah. you were going to say... Yeah, I mean, I guess I agree. I, I don't really ever think about how they how anyone wants... I'm just... This is just such a, a, a discussion for somebody who, like, truly reads 
books. Mm. <laughs> you 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 read books and don't sell yourself short. No, I know, but like even the like the the authors that were mentioned in that, I was like, oh yeah, oh, they were mentioned. They were throwing out author names like we were supposed yes. to know what they've yeah. written and what bodies of work he was referring to. I was like, I've heard of you. It was it was yeah. very much a literary theory essay meant to be read by literary theorists. I, or yeah, like, it, you know. Uh, English majors. So all that to, yeah, all that to say, uh, I feel as though I don't care what the writer was writing about, and it's mm-hmm. all about me. So you mean yeah. the author? Yes, and not, I, not the Bart, reader, but like the like the oh, oh, oh. the idea of the author, right? Yeah, and there's my take. Aj, what did you make of it? Yeah, um, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as India. I don't know. It's complicated because. The first thing I learned, the first thing I learned uh, on my first day of college uh, in my comm communications 101 class was that intent versus interpretation. Interpretation matters. Intent means nothing. Uh, That's basically how I feel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it does not matter how the person create writing the, the book in this case or creating any type of media uh, means for their thing to come across. It matters how the viewer or the listener or the reader interprets it. And so... I think with that, I agree that, you know, death of the author is a thing, I guess. <laughs> um, but I do think because we had some supplemental material as well, uh, watching a, a, the Lindsay Ellis uh, death of the author video, uh, she brings up the point that in today's world, especially, it is nigh impossible to actually fully disconnect yourself from the idea of the author. And I think that really speaks to our case where we literally know the author and we have talked to the author about his feelings about his books. So as for me, at least as we're reading these books, I'm thinking we've said it on the show. It's that classic Steve shit. And we're thinking about Steve and the way that he writes and the stuff he is writing about. And I know that's not exactly exactly the context of death of the author you know and just in terms of the style of writing but he is always steve erickson is always looming in the back of my mind uh, Mm. as i read these books um just about because i know he is a a very smart person who has a lot of feelings about stuff the last like three weeks on his facebook he's just been putting up these huge essays and stories about his anthropological studies and you know the, the the tiny finger scraper that he found in a hotel one time uh and just like he is a very verbose man who has feelings about a lot of things and has perspective on a lot of things. So I think for me, I would like to not have to think about that. But I think at the end of the day, like once I finish reading a section or a chapter or whatever, I immediately start contextualizing it in terms of Steven Erickson as a as a, a person and an author. You know, I, I, I want to get to Josh, um, but I, I do want to respond. And I agree. It is a complicating factor that Steve is now a friend of the show, you know. <laughs> When I read the books before we talked to Steve on the podcast, it was definitely a different experience than now when we've talked to him a few times, right? And that, so, although I will probably fiercely defend this idea that, uh, the death of the author in a bit, but I do feel like in general, it is somewhat hard to disentangle that. However, I do think you would be off base, AJ, if you, as you said, when you talk about like, oh, well, this is something in Steve's style, or at the end of the book, you kind of know it may go this way because of other ways Erickson writes. I don't know if that's actually like considering the author as persona, 
but recognizing the larger body of work that is these 10 entire books. Do you know what I mean? I think there's a difference there between thinking about authorial intent or Steve's life and how that would have affected his writing yeah. and like knowing how th these stories are developing. Yeah, I, I, there, I, I definitely see that distinction. And I, I know Death of the Author as a concept is more about authorial intent. But I think the point I was trying to make was that Steve is always on my mind. Uh, and so I go to bed dreaming about <laughs> I, yeah. I go to bed dreaming about <laughs> oh, yeah. Mr. Stephen Erickson. Um, so it's just I don't know. In in my head, I Death of the Author is ultimately about authorial intent. But I don't know. I think thinking about the author in any uh, capacity while reading, I I think sullies the the pureness, I guess, of Death of the Author. You know what I mean? Um, because mm. I'm not fully, I, I personally am not fully ever, ever able to completely disconnect Steve from these books. Yeah. Well, let's build on that more in a sec, but Josh, I know you cut in earlier with your cliff notes, but <laughs> what are, uh, what are some bigger impressions of this essay and how do you feel about this, uh, notion that Bart posits? Well, I, I too fully agree with it. Uh, however, while reading it, it made me very mad at something else, which is that you ever think about how in high school English classes, all we do is talk about the author's intent and like, what did they mean by this? And that, mm -hmm. that's just not how you read, you know? And it makes that's me very mad. That, like, it, yeah, yeah, I know. It's not how we should be reading. It makes me very uh, frustrated because like, we don't know he meant that. Is there an interview where he's like, I did mean the green light in Great Gatsby to mean, you know, whatever. I've never read that book, full disclosure. Uh, what? You've never yeah, read anyway, the Great Sorry, not what the show's about. <laughs> eye on the prize. I'm putting this down prize. in my notes of bonus episodes. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's like stuff like that. Like, I, I was like, I fully agree with this French dude. I hate how he talks and he needs to be a bit like, you know, he needs to tone the pretentious down 18 levels. Hell yeah. Well, it's like a. It's like an academic essay, so I think some it's of your... it seemed pretty. Uh, it's very much like, oh, are you as well read as I am? Oh, yeah. ho, ho, ho. that's yeah. how I read it. <laughs> oh, okay, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I know, I know, Pete, I know you read it, and you were like, I do know all these authors, but for the layman like us, it was a bit all much. Right. It was uh, like, all right, yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, that's, that's kind of how I felt. Like, I fully agree. And then it made me really mad about the American education system, which I am a part of, but I don't <laughs> teach English. Uh, so, yeah. I think uh, the quote I chose, Josh, is to is in precisely this way, literature, it would be better from now on to say writing by refusing to assign a secret and ultimate meaning to the text and to world as text liberates what might may be called an anti-theological activity an activity that is truly revolutionary since to refuse fixed meaning is in the end to refuse God and his hypothesis, re reason, science, law. All right. So he drags a lot of he drags a lot of other stuff in and there. Yeah, and he does quick commas. and concise. He really got to his point. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, dude loves commas. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> There's like two parentheses. <laughs> yeah. But but what I'm saying is I agree there is that like I the part of this essay that really resonates with me is chafing against the idea that like there is a fixed meaning to the work and that the author has a godlike presence where they would get to determine what it is or the, like the meaning of it just it, that is something I would completely reject wholesale. And if like Steve were to come on the show and be like, no, this book should be read this way. Mm -hmm. 
I would like really disagree with him thinking he has. Do you mean I just don't think that that's not what art or literature is about? Do you mean in my view? Yeah, fully agree with that. Um, yeah, I've never. I don't think I've ever once while reading been like, "What did X person mean when they wrote?" I I don't know. It's just not how I read. I just read what the characters are doing or what the you know what's what I'm the words on the page. Hmm. Yeah, I just always think part of the beauty of the thing is that everyone would take something away individually different from it and that's kind of i don't know so that's why i i I feel this way about a lot of things to like get the author to affix something is like limiting it as i think he puts somewhere in the essay what do you think Inge? i agree i don't my my thoughts are just so far from this i am trying to wrap my head around this kind of discussion but i literally i just feel like whenever i've i've never even thought about it in this way like that death of an author was only um, something that I learned from Peter saying we're gonna be discussing this and me being like, oh, all right. Um, so it's hard because I I don't really think I've ever, unless it was like a school reading assignment, which I don't remember, have read a book where like the intention wasn't like a like a very clear story. Or maybe mm-hmm. that's my perception of it, and I just don't, and I'm not realizing it. But I feel like probably not. I feel like if I like when I read something, it's a pretty clear story with a pretty clear ending. Um. So that so it's hard for me to apply this essay to anything that I've read, and then so then it's hard for me to really have many serious opinions about it because I'm I just don't I don't have any experience mm. with it really. Mm. Like and then again, like I said, you know, in school that was one thing where they tried to like, but even in school, I feel like the way you're taught is actually about the intention. So like yes, yes. Ugh. That that they bring the creator author into the class mm-hmm. or like right. in the, into the discussion of the text. Like you can be wrong in your answers of what you perceive it as. That's the idea that's always gotten to me. And it's maybe it's just like a defensiveness or something. But the idea that like my interpretation of it would be wrong right. just seems like so Preach. I don't know, antithetical to what the whole thing is about do you mean it's just interesting that i'm sorry um go 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 inch no just so for me it's interesting that this concept is even a thing because i've grown up my whole life like thinking that like the way i was taught about a book is just the way that it was and then that's just it so it's just a very interesting contrast to that thought that i literally was for like told to believe and i just never questioned it and I think there can be some use to discussing popular readings of some works. Do you know what I mean? And right. like introducing it that way. But I agree. I think it, it kind of there's a detrimental effect when it's taught that like, well, this means this and this means. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I get it because we're like somewhat being reductive with introductory literature courses. But I think I stand by my anger. <laughs> yeah, it's just interesting. Ugh. It's not it's nothing more. To just it's just an interesting thing that they never say, well. But also, you could think of it this way. <laughs> I think for me, it's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated because I have a film studies minor, and I've watched a lot of films. <laughs> I've, no, but like that's... <laughs> I'm hey, trying to say that. Glasses are sliding down. Can you just push them up a little bit further? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to say this in the least pretentious way possible. But like, I, I, have, I, I took four years of college, pretty much, of just like watching movies and talking about... Uh, how it was made and why certain things were the certain way and blah, blah, blah. And with movies, there's a lot more stuff to talk about, like practically, like the way the camera is and the lighting and all this other stuff. As opposed to books? Yeah, there's no cameras or lighting in books, Pete. All right, we'll leave it. We'll leave it. Keep going. What? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like the... A lot of the stuff in books, it's like there's descriptions and stuff, but it's all ultimately in your head. But with movies, it is like explicitly like, ah, they're using a red light here to make you feel a certain way, you know? 
I would argue that there's not really a similar thing that you can put in a book. I would I would argue there's an equivalent amount of craft. It is just different. So I didn't say anything that the craft and I didn't I wasn't trying to compare them. I was just trying to say that, like, let's keep it. Sure. Uh, So my point being in saying this is that I have been conditioned to view media in a different way. And I didn't really do a lot of reading through college or whatever, really, until this podcast started. And I've realized that that critical viewing has uh, infiltrated my reading mind as well. So I'm like constantly thinking about subtext and uh, like intent and stuff uh, as much as I would not as much as I would love to not have to do that. Well, what do you mean between difference between intent and subtext? So when you think we speak more to that, well, that's what I'm saying. Like in intent, in like for there to be subtext, there needs to be intent. Obviously, uh, D- disagree. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? How how could there Andy, be? I'm gonna get some coffee. You trying to just take a quick break? They're gonna be here a while. How can there be subtext without an author intending to create a subtext? What do you What do you mean? You don't. Th- Oh my gosh, bro. I just couldn't disagree more. And I don't know if this is going to make for good radio, so maybe you should cut it off. Sure. But like, first off, lots of things can end up in books that authors don't intend. And then number two, I think it's a it's a totally different point in that like, even if the author created the subtext, it's a separate thing from whether the author intends it to be read a certain way or what they meant by putting the subtext there. I think you're I think you're conflating the act of putting the subtext with the idea of what the subtext means. There's plenty of subtext in things, but that's different than what the author meant or authorial intent. So I think that's an important distinction that and why I shouted disagree. Sure. Yeah, that is fair. And I appreciate you elaborating on it and not just shouting disagree and letting me flounder at my point that you disagree with. (laughs) Um, No, I, I, I yeah, I get what you mean. I think that you are correct. But I do think certain subtexts that are put in intentionally, like throughout Memories of Ice, we're talking about compassion the whole time. The whole through line of the book is compassion. And that was Steve's intent to write about compassion and the way that people can show compassion or not show compassion or who is deserving of compassion and, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. Uh, And so through Memories of Ice, especially, that is all I could think about is like, ah, here's another compassion passage. And even in in House of Chains, we're talking about chains. We're talking about all these these metaphorical, you know, weights that everybody has on them. And it's like Steve obviously meant for us to interpret that stuff like that. There's no way the the, the larger uh, metaphorical meanings of these books, there's no way that that's an accident. You know, I disagree. I think you're speaking about what the text is speaking to you, not what Steve is speaking to you. But it was Steve's intent to make the text a certain way. Couldn't disagree more, bro. Give me give it to me. (laughs) Don't just say you disagree. This we're having a discussion. This is the whole point of the podcast. I just like. Steve and the text are different things. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Steve wrote the text, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean he is the text. So when you're I feel like it's worth making a distinction about when we're responding to the text, what we're responding to. Like I'm responding to we're going to talk about Carsa later. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm responding to what Carsa did and Mm -hmm. Carsa's ideas and Carsa's things and how the book portrayed Carsa, not Steve. Sure. You know, but but if we're talking about the the whole point of the. The point of the essay would be that Steve told the story, but he is not the story. Right. But I'm not saying the story and the 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 message of the whole book are different. Like the story the, the words on the page, as Josh said, the stuff that is on the page, the things that are happening in the book, that is devoid of Steve. I agree. But 
everything under that, all the, 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 the chain metaphors, all that stuff, Steve put that in there. And it's, that is, he put everything in the book. Why is him putting the subtext there or put him in the book? Because it was his intent to make those words mean a certain thing. It wasn't just somebody doing something physically. It was something that is supposed to mean something else. So regardless of if the intention was there, if mm-hmm. I don't pick up on it, was does it matter? No. Because like for me, I like you're saying that like you've picked up on all these metaphors that I mm-hmm. literally would not know if you guys didn't tell me. Which sure. so for me when I read this book, it's it's just a book with just That's like, which, and, which and is what fair. I read is is what I interpret, however, which is usually probably different from what he intended, but it doesn't matter because I don't know what he intended because I can't right. know right. Because he's dead. We've murdered him. We've killed him. (laughs) Shit. Yeah, I I see what you're saying, India, and I appreciate. Yeah, no, no, continue. No, that that's just pretty much it. So I guess I guess I don't really know how 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 we find a a common ground here, though, because if I did understand it and I did know his intention, then maybe I would have picked up on it and I could say yes, I agree. But because I don't, I don't. And that's that. That's my thoughts. Which is fair, which Josh, is valid. I don't... Do you have anything to add? I have a feeling me and AJ are not going to resolve this disagreement <laughs> right now. Uh, I have oh, nothing fear. more to add. Yeah. This is and I don't think this, we have yeah. to. No, but... I do think we have to agree. And I think we have to settle this in the old ways. Um, <laughs> so I guess I don't know what the common ground between Japan and Jersey mm. or Philly is, but we will need to meet at dawn. Um, weapons of your choice no not pistols not some fucking revolutionary pansies we each show up with our bear maces revolutionary pansies listen to you bro come on um anyway so it's an essay and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different thoughts and I think that was kind of the point of why we wanted to have a stab at it but we're not done because we're going to bring it into talking about the problem of Carsa Orlong and quick note both of these essays can be found in our show notes. Yeah. So if you wanted to read them, along with the uh, check it out, the Lindsay Ellis video uh, that goes into yeah. the author and stuff. It's it's pretty much a rehashing of the the Bart essay, but in more common language. I do just want to say I don't know if this is going to be a podcast, but I do just want to say I I wasn't trying to say what is or is not death of the author. I was just trying to say the way that I read things. I think I don't think I can apply death of the author to myself. Which I think is a kind of separate thing. I mean, it's tough because, as you said, we're now, like, she's a friend of the show. And I also also find it most tough to apply some of the tabletop gaming knowledge, do Mm -hmm. you mean? Because knowing that this world was gamed, I do think, informs my reading sometimes. But I also think, having role-played so much, the first time I read the books, it's also just plays off role-playing tropes Mm -hmm. and role-playing setting ideas. Oh, yeah. Which I think is a very purposeful thing, you know, it's it's like, you know, postmodern and blah, blah, blah. So, anywho's, let's kick it forward. Okay. <laughs> Did you have something, you I have just, a last uh, bun? Uh, no, I, I'm just more t- t- arguing with you now. Um, so we don't have to. <laughs> what, bro? I just like, how can you talk about the the postmodern elements of it and whatnot and say, and, and, and still say, still separate that from the author's intent? Because that's not about the author, bro. That's about my metatextual knowledge of how fantasy stories go. Sure. It, it's not about Steve's idea about what the MIBE means. All right. Anyway, getting a little aggro here on our debate show. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're coming to Josh. Yeah. Can we let, I would like the energy to come down like just a bit, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
as Josh, I have much less to say about this than I do about Deathly Author. So we're, okay, good. We're, well, maybe we're good. Maybe if AJ started offering better opinions mm, for our show, my, my opinions were correct. <laughs> no, it's good. I think it made for. I think we needed to get in some sort of disagreement for that segment to work. Yeah, I'm away. excited for the uh, Discord to take sides. We'll we'll put a new a we'll new see Discord who's really role. Right. Team AJ, Team Peter. <laughs> so. Put the death of the author on the back burner. We want to talk about Steven Erickson's essay from July of 2011, The Problem of Carsa Orlong. And he put this up on his website, and it generally discusses uh, Carsa as being one of the more divisive characters in the series, and is just generally discussing maybe some of his ideas and how uh, things he wanted to explore with the character and uh, kind of his approach with writing Carsa Orlong. So we wanted to have a discussion about Carsa. So I thought we should read this essay, but I also thought it was important to talk about Death of the Author to make of what to make of this essay. So Josh, leaving the Death of the Author is the ba- in the back room. What did you make of this essay about Steve and Carsa Orlong? Well, full disclosure, I'm pretty sure I read this essay before Death of the Author. I can't remember. It was like a week and a half ago. So when, when I read it, I actually, I mean, I was very into Steve's kind of explanation of Carsa. Uh, I, I was very interested to see like all the influences that he brought into it, what he imagined it would feel like. I, I found that very interesting because in some ways, they, in many ways, that's just not how I'd seen Carsa. And so I, I was very kind of like, oh, I understand. And like, a lot of what he was saying, you know, kind of this like barbarian from the north tropes and how mm. Carsa simultaneously like, you know, embodies them and also like rails against them. I was like, oh, I like after reading it, I was like, I totally see all that. And while reading it, I w- like while reading the books, I wish I had kind of thought of that more because I'm very familiar with those tropes. I hadn't really thought much about how the like honorable barbarian trope was being kind of subverted. So I, I don't know. It was very interesting to read. That being said... Uh, I have thoughts on Carsa and they did not, well, I have, I have mostly positive thoughts on Carsa as a character, which I think is very different from Peter. So th- this essay didn't do much because I was like, oh yeah, I already, I already really dig this character and like how he's being used. I find it very interesting. Um, so yeah, but that was kind of where I was. I thought the essay was cool. It didn't really change my opinion on Carsa. Just kind of more, kind of a different perspective to think about it yeah, and kind of more yeah, information. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, AJ, what did you make of this essay? I don't know. Uh, I thought it was a good essay. I thought there were a lot of good points made. I agree with Josh. I didn't really think about the any of the tropes, you know, the barbarian tropes and all that stuff, uh, because like my familiarity with barbarians comes only from D&D uh, and not any fantasy novels or anything. Um, so I was kind of, you know, unaware of most of the tropes. And I mean, I guess like Game of Thrones has the the wildlings and stuff, which I guess could be called barbarians from the north you, and all that stuff sure. but you could even argue that the people of like the starks are are more of the bar like the good barbarians from the sure. north in some ways mm, yeah how far north is too far north mm-hmm. um yeah i just like never none of that stuff ever entered my head but i do think it was interesting to bring that stuff up but i don't really think i don't know my problem with carsa and stuff isn't necessarily with carsa as a character like fully it, it's it's more I don't know. I think Steve makes a good or, or has, a, has a quote in here. Uh, How far from our own sensibilities can we be pushed before it is too much? Which I think is an interesting point to make uh, because Carson does do some truly terrible shit. Um, and it didn't really click with me until, you know, he and, and uh, Bayroth and Delam 
raped that entire village, you know? And so, you know, I guess that is where my line is. Uh, but then at the same time, it's like, why there and why not sooner when he was like, you know, chopping people in half or, you know, all that other everything else that was happening. Um, and I think my problem with that stuff is more uh, a problem with the book as a whole and less about Carsa specifically, um, because the book spends a lot of time talking about the uh, consequences of violence and, uh, you know, physical violence um, and and war and uh, you know, that, that mindset and stuff. Um, and not a lot of time talking about specifically like rape and sexual assault and whatnot. So I think that is my, that is why my line is there, but yeah. So I, I think that's all I have for now. India, what did you make of the problem of Carsa Orlong? Um, well, I agree with AJ in that I really, the whole thing was just a foreign concept to me. The the, the okay. tropes are a word that I first heard from Steve in our first <laughs> interview and any type of trope I have no idea about. So this essay essentially, unfortunately, as usual, really didn't mean much to me. Um, it was an interesting I, it was interesting to read it to, I guess, understand that there was a like this character was had a very specific purpose, I guess, and mm. It took a, it was a lot of thought to develop, which is interesting. I guess that would be for any character, but he wrote an entire essay about this one. So, which I find to be interesting, but beyond that, it doesn't mean much to me. Um, I didn't, Mm. I don't think any particularly different way. And honestly, it was really hard to even fully understand and Mostly what I took away from it, which is really bad, is that he uses the word nihilistic a lot. (laughs) Yes. I actually think that's one of my favorite parts of the essay is him discussing kind of uh, maybe how nihilistic fantasy is as an idea and genre. And I think it's one of the ones uh, it's something he kind of concludes the whole thing with. And I think it touches on that something I've always enjoyed about some of the uh, paratextual essays that Steve has written. This is clear he's very thoughtful about the genre and he's like read a lot of it and he's very aware and and engaged with the idea of fantasy. And I think that's very clear and, and obviously a through line through his work. And if anything, something he's trying to come to terms with. It seems like the work is trying to come to terms with itself as high fantasy whilst also being it. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I, I just one final thing for me, and then we can get your th- thoughts, PB, uh, about the essay uh, writ large. Uh, I just think this essay for me was about something that I didn't really have a problem with Carsa about, uh, which I think I kind of did say earlier. But I think that's really I'm kind of in the same boat as India, where it didn't really land very much for me. I was like, this is an interesting essay. There's a lot of thoughtful stuff in here, but like I don't know a lot of the the stuff that it seems like he's responding to mostly isn't where I take issue with Carsa, but I don't know. Pete, what do you think? I think that's interesting that you put it that way because I think I do have a problem with Carsa Orlong. Yes. And I think that's why when I read this essay, I was so smitten by it because I found that it was directly kind of approaching and kind of addressing this because I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Steve's aware that some char- some readers do not like this character and it's, you know. And, um, you know, I think it... uh. It gave me insight into how Steve was approaching and what he was going for with this character. I don't think he actually wins me over at all. And especially with what we kind of talked about, I don't even, you know, it's interesting to know what he was intending for with this character. But ultimately, I don't think that's something I bring much into my reading of the work. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
Do you guys think you'll this made you think about Carson differently or you would think about this essay when we read about Carson more? No. I think it solidified my thoughts on Carsa a little bit because I when I like when I read Carsa, I obviously there are issues I have issues with things he does, but I find his his kind of purpose or his task in the overall story to be like really interesting to me and uh very different from what I would expect his character to do. And so I I found this solidified like, oh, that's that's kind of what Steve wanted. Okay, I can live with that take. Even though I don't like things about him, I like how he is most of the time used in the overall structure of the book. And we'll see how mm. that extends through the series. Yeah, I don't think um I don't think it's really going to change how I interpret Carson. I I'm kind of in the same boat as Josh, I think. Um but like Really, the the only new thought that this essay introduced was like barbarian from the North trope and uh, combating that and, and like the, the barbarian hero and stuff. Uh, and so I, I might think about that later, but like, I don't know. I think that like barbarian arc has kind of come to a close with this book, you know, and anytime Kars is in it for the rest of the, the series, it's just going to be like, oh, Kars is back here. He is doing his thing. Uh, and, and I don't know if there's going to be any more like uh you know reckoning with his past and all that stuff because i feel like all that stuff kind of got tied up at you know by the end of house of chains so i don't know if i'll bring this into any of the future readings but we'll see aj what if he goes home well i mean hey fair enough you know if he goes back and and (laughs) and brings his his big city ideas to knowledge his civilized (laughs) knowledge back home (laughs) yeah yeah well i'm not gonna think about it when i read um (laughs) it's just I feel like when you put something in my face, like when we're discussing it um, on the podcast or if we're discussing it with Steve, it's like I have like my little light bulb moments. But as soon mm. as it's back to the book and I'm like, well, got to read it's it, it all at the window. I'm just like focused on what I'm reading. And um, I'll try to think about it, though, because it is an interesting new like way to, I guess, read the character or to think. Mm. But I don't really I guess no, it just India- comes down to I just don't care what Steve was doing i so i'm just not gonna focus on it he's dead baby who cares (laughs) yeah (laughs) long live the readers (laughs) hello everybody producer aj here cutting in two-thirds of the way through the show with some updates uh thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast Uh, it was a great time to kind of branch out and try something new uh please let us know what you think about this kind of episode what your thoughts are generally on this kind of episode uh but before i get any further i just want to say right up top that we did record the show before we talked to Steve about House of Chains and kind of the stuff that he uh, didn't kind of like that we said about the book and stuff. Uh, it's a very interesting conversation. That'll be in a couple weeks, but I, I just want to let you know we did record this before we talked to him. Uh, so do with that what you will uh, in terms of our hot takes possibly in this episode. Uh, If you would like to let us know what you thought about the episode, you can send us a DM on Twitter or at us on Twitter at 10VeryBigBooks, or you can Gmail us also at 10VeryBigBooks. If you'd like to send us a message and be part of the conversation on Discord, you can head on over to bit.ly slash Discord and join everyone there. Uh, That's capital V, capital B, capital B, capital D, Discord. We have a whole channel dedicated to talking about your thoughts on the most recent episodes with everybody else in the community. Those conversations are always really great and so much 
much fun to read and be a part of. Uh, so if that sounds like your cup of tea, that link will also be in the show notes. And if you'd like to check out our Patreon, you can visit the link in our show notes or head on over to patreon.com slash 10 very big books. At the time of this recording, we are now at 135 patrons and $460 a month. Thank you so much to anyone who has donated any amount. We are so beyond grateful and I ne- will never ever be able to say that uh, enough. Uh, just so you know, we won't be listing our new patrons in the off season. So if you backed us in the last few weeks and are wondering where your shout out is, it'll be in the first episode of Midnight Tides uh, in the first ish week of November. And as always, thank you so very much to Dan Gesrick for making our spectacular logo. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Gesrick for a Christmas story gif. And of course, the wonderful music in today's episode is by the one and only Amaranthin from their album, The New Romantic, which you can find along with their other music on Bandcamp.com. Links to their pages will be in the show notes. And 10 Very Big Books will be back next week on October 23rd with a very special bonus episode where Pete and I talk once again to our good friend Nathan about the second book in Stephen Erickson's Willful Child series. I'll talk to you then, and thank you so much for listening. So for this final part of the show, we wanted to talk about Karsa in general, and just kind of where we are at with this character, who I would say is maybe one of the most prominent ones in House of Chains. You know, I don't know if there's ever a main character, but... I mean, we spend 300 pages with the dude, so... Yeah. For me, you know, I've mentioned I have a problem with this character and I wanted to start with this. And I think I've been trying to think about how to phrase this. And for me, before I get into what I don't like, let me quick say I will I will concede he does say some cool things sometimes. So, you know, you can't take that away. <laughs> we from are him, all witness you know? to that. <laughs> you know, Boo. he does say cool Thank things, you. you know. Now. <laughs> and that's where the good stuff pretty ends. much pretty much everything else i <laughs> am not on board with <laughs> so you know i i get some of the arguments but for me where ultimately it loses me is when the book starts to ask me to enjoy the character and mm. to take pleasure in it because i think if you look at the beginning of this book it's very clear that although we are in Carson's shoes it is not supposed to be pleasurable whatsoever. There is dread in the violence and it is portrayed in horror. And that goes for the rapes and generally how he is treated. And I think it is written in such a way that it is highlighting these things and asking us to question these things and asking and pushing us and examining us. However, the book does not stay there forever. And eventually, Karsa starts to become a character that we are asked to enjoy and take pleasure in. And I think that is where I start to fall away from it. Because ultimately, I don't think the character changes that much throughout this book for me. And I don't really buy a lot of the changes he goes through. And I think he never really reckons with the consequences of his actions. And I find most of his change of personality to be incredibly false. And I think he goes from someone whose violence is righteous and he wields indiscriminately to someone who uses his violence a little more thoughtfully, but is ultimately still using it. And when he kills people, it is portrayed as a righteous act, which I don't think is that different than from when in the beginning, when he uses violence as this ultimate equalizer. Probably the wrong word there. But I, of course, also deeply disconnect with the character when it comes to the rapes, which Steve uses the phrase culturally acceptable rapes in the essay, which 
is, I think, somewhat bore out by the text by how Bayroth, Delam, and the other Teblor act. However, I don't think we know enough about Teblor society or culture or sex and gender in the world writ large. I actually think it's a quite a quite an undersketched point in this setting and something that I think undermines writing about sexual assault like this. Because I don't think we have the context to think about what Carso raping these women's actually mean. And he certainly does not deal with the consequences in this book. And although I know there's this element where the Carso is a larger character than this one book and he is taught this is touched on later on i don't think it's sufficiently explored in this book whatsoever and any attempt to answer it in this book falls short for me and i don't think the book is really tuned into this and this brings me to my final point in that and i left it for last because it's my worst point i just don't like very strong characters and that's just like, you know, those other two, I think, are very serious things, which I stand by. I don't think he changes that much. I think the rapes are really bad. And I don't think, I don't know, I just can't go there. Like, when I'm asked to think about him, I can think about him. But when I'm asked to take pleasure in the character and his violence, that is, I am completely disconnected. So, I do not enjoy Carsa Orlong. And although I thought this book was going to be a good opportunity for me to re-engage with it, I do think I view this character differently the second time around. Ultimately, by the end of it, my opinion hadn't changed. Hmm. So, India, I just kind of expressed my thoughts. How do you feel about Karsa Orlong at the end of the day? At the end of the day, I I liked his character. I mean, I could just look beyond the beginning of the book because for because for no other reason than you know he was kind of funny <laughs> this character this character was just that i mean i don't really have many thoughts about like yeah definitely really bad in the beginning um but i just think i'm not looking that deeply into it i guess i'm looking at like the the broader story and also i don't really focus that deeply into anything with these books um so it's hard for me to have like a like a really serious opinion about it because you know it's just I, he was just a, a character so um I thought he did a lot of he kind of carried a lot of the story the more of the interesting bits I feel like were his parts of the story and his perspective and because of that I think it's just hard for me to like really care that much about how shitty the character is at the was at the beginning and I guess carries throughout the whole story as you you kind of mentioned he doesn't really change anything he just has like a reason now but yeah that didn't really bother me that much I don't know why I don't know why all right it just didn't I I liked the character I thought he was funny I thought he did some good things he definitely did some bad things but you know who hasn't all right Josh at the end of the day where do you fall down with the big KO uh I think I I find a lot of what he does uh later in the book infuriating in terms of his thought process uh and I find the stuff he does at the beginning of the book uh I mean clearly close-minded because he doesn't know any better so like when I think about the some of the internal Carsa stuff I'm not like the world's biggest fan, but I think I do like him just because I find the way he is used to be very interesting. Mm. I like how he is this 
I don't want to say righteous, you know, smiter, because he is neither righteous, nor does he get everyone who deserves to be killed in the books, you know? But I like that he is this uh, ultimate weapon that, when unleashed, you do not really know what the consequences can be at that point, you know what I mean? And I find that very, I find that a very cool idea in fantasy in general, and in this book, there are so few characters that I find to be just, like, earth-shatteringly powerful, you know? They all still feel very vulnerable. It's very interesting to see Karsa as someone who is just like, I don't know, the, I, A, don't know what he's gonna do, B, pretty much no one can stop him. And I find that, <laughs> I find that pretty, uh, uh, a very interesting thing, especially when he's, like, in the scenes with, like, very, very mortal characters. Yeah. Plus, I am excited to see him hopefully grow. Hopefully. So. AJ, where do you fall at the end of the day with Karsa Orlong? At the end of the day... Oh, sorry. At the end, at the end of the day, another day. Oh, I don't know any of the words. I just played in the marching band. At the end of the day, I think I like Carson Orlong. There we go. I'm not leaving that in. At the end of the day, I think I like the words on the page version of Carson Orlong. The stuff that he does, his journey that he goes through. I don't think I fully agree, Pete, that his arc. You said something about his his character development not feeling, I don't know, earned or something. I don't I don't buy into sure. it. Sure, um, I, I I I disagree with that. I think uh, not disagree. I I do buy into it. I think, um, and, and his whole journey I think is rough in the beginning, obviously, and then I think is just like a good time throughout. But I think the. <laughs> a good time throughout it's a good time throughout i agree with you aj i'm on your wave uh but i do think in the context of like a character in a book and you know metatextual meaning and stuff i don't think carso orlong really works very well for me but what do you mean by that just like the 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 stuff that he does and and the how he doesn't really ever is never really forced to reckon with any of it i i take issue with but as a character i do enjoy reading about him and the journeys and the stuff that he goes through and like like making the flint sword was one of the coolest things i've read in a book um it's very cool it's just like really cool and and i like that a lot but um yeah i want to be clear i think he does reckon with some things you know it's not like he doesn't think about anything in the book you know i just don't i think it more my problem more has to do with the tone and how we are ultimately asked to then be on his side do you know what i mean because at the beginning of the book, although he like has a he, it's not like he has a great he has a bad world view then. Mm-hmm. So the, I don't think the problem is that he has a bad world view. It's that like I feel like later in the book we are asked to like enjoy and be with him in a way that I can't because I just find him to I just can't go there with that character, you know. Hmm. So I think it more has to do with the tone the book portrays him in. Interesting. But listen, you know that's just me. That's them. We have our opinions. We're excited to hear yours. So let us know what you think uh, at 10 Very Big Books on Twitter and Gmail. And I'm sure we'll talk about it on our Discord. And it's our first stab, obviously, at doing something like this, talking about essays and literary theory. You know, we got our feet wet. I don't know if we hit it out of the park. We'll see, you know. But we gave it a the good old college try, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll do it again. Maybe we won't. Um, let us know what you think about having this type of show. You know, like we like re- trying to release different types of shows in the off season, and um, pretty soon, coming up is our interview with Steve. Mm-hmm. 
And then we're getting into discussing Midnight Tides, which I couldn't be more excited for. I'm literally scratching at the door, scratching at the front pages to crack Charles open Sengar this book. let us in. That's exactly <laughs> right. So uh, pretty soon we'll be off away to discuss Midnight Tides. So with that, I think India had something special she wanted to share with everyone before the podcast wraps I up. I think she I said notice. she was going to sing something. You were going to sing something, Edge? Yeah, that's what I was going to do. Fucking drop it. It's just a song that I wrote for all of you to express my appreciation um, for all of the love and support. Josh, you remember what we discussed? <laughs> you got the harmonies down, Josh? No. <laughs> you ready, Josh? I don't know if this is a bit. A Josh, five, you're on six, base. Josh, you're on seven, base. Seven, eight. Boom. When I read the books. The Malazan Podcast. I say thank you to you. You all are my greatest supporters. And I appreciate you. These books are kind of boring sometimes, but I do it for you. And I'm really trying to like them, but Midnight Tides, I can tell, is going to put me over the edge. And I do it for you. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening, y'all.